Hello and good morning. It is a beautiful day at the compound. Let me tell you. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. Coffee's hot. And the boys are working. So today, I'm going to read you a little excerpt written by myself in a book called Highs and Lows. Compiled by a dear friend of mine named Simon Wolf. Highs and Lows is a collection of life stories written by teens and young adults on the path to recovery. You can find this book on the Amazon store. All proceeds go to people who want help and can't afford recovery. Page 9, A Dark Path by Malachi Connor. Growing up, I was the class clown. I had parents who loved me unconditionally, classmates who thought I was the funniest, and teachers who could see right through the whole act. Things took a turn for the worse when my parents got divorced just before middle school. My first memories of drinking were during family functions. I'm from a large Irish Catholic family, and alcohol was always the guest of honor at every family event. I had started drinking in 7th grade, and by 8th grade I had moved on to marijuana and other mind-changing chemicals. My parents recognized my habits at an early age, and did the best they could with what they knew, but my behavior was largely largely out of their control, and by freshman year in high school, I was smoking weed daily, sneaking out of my parents' house, and getting in trouble at school. Drug culture had become my new identity. My parents sent me to military school at the age of 16. It was around that time that my mom started blogging about my behavior. I felt completely betrayed when I found out that she had made my life public. My self-esteem plummeted, and I felt like everyone around me knew I wasn't a good person. I started my own personal journal and wrote about how my parents thought they knew everything, but really, I was getting away with way more than they ever knew. The summer I returned home from military school, I went back to my old habits. I needed to be high to feel okay. It was my answer and solution to all of my problems and my personal reward for all of my accomplishments. One night, I got drunk, and instead of going home, I drunkenly stumbled into my grandparents' house. I woke up to my grandfather cleaning my puke from his rug. When my dad picked me up, he took me straight to the police station for a breath test. I was still drunk. He then took me to church, and after, drove me to jail about 30 minutes away. The two of us sat in the car and stared at the jail for a long time. I asked my dad why we were sitting in front of this jail. He wouldn't answer me. So I go out, got out of his truck, and started walking. He drove past me and gave me the ultimatum. Either get in the car and live by our rules, or do your own thing. I chose the latter. He left me on the side of the road, and I thought it was the best thing that had ever happened to me. I called a friend, and I lived with him for a few weeks, until my mom found out and took me back in. Junior year, I attended a local public high school. My usage was constant. Shortly after my senior year, I got a DUI. And both of my parents gave up on me. That's when I started bouncing from friend's house to local parks to sleep. I kept a blanket and a pillow in a tree for sleeping. Somehow my dad got wind of my living situation and asked me to move back in with him and my stepmom. He gave me a job and a room, but of course, that didn't last long. It was around that time that I had my first girlfriend. 
My drug usage had gone from bad to out of control, and my girlfriend recognized she couldn't help me and told me that I was going down a dark path and that she wasn't going to follow me into the darkness. I tried to get myself together by going to AA meetings. I'd sit in the meetings just to listen. I just wanted to leave and get drunk, my reward for showing up. My lifestyle took a toll on my body, and through a series of unfortunate life choices, I ended up in the hospital with pneumonia, 25 pounds thinner. It was there almost two weeks. On the 12th day, I woke up and realized that it was my 21st birthday. There was no way I was going to sit in the hospital on my 21st birthday and waste a chance to party. I started pulling out my IVs, and I told the nurses I was leaving. They asked me to take one last dose of medicine before I left. I woke up the next day. The nurses had given me medicine to put me to sleep, and in reality, they probably ended up saving my life. I rewarded myself for not drinking by using other drugs. Since alcohol was the problem in my head, I convinced myself that other drugs were perfectly all right. On the ninth month anniversary of me not using alcohol, I went out and got drunk. It was the time of my life, so I decided I could handle alcohol again, but only in moderation. This plan didn't last a week before I was back to my old ways of drinking. One night, I was sitting in my RV, getting drunk and high alone, and realized my usage had got to the point where I was, when I was sober, I needed to be high, and once I was high, I just wanted to be sober. Sometime later, I had my old job back mowing lawns. I got up one day, and it was raining so hard that we couldn't work, so I got high. I was lonely and sad and remembered that there was something in those AA meetings that I kind of liked. I decided to swing by one. It was at that meeting that I ran into an old friend from high school. I didn't even recognize him, but he recognized me. During the meeting, I was itching to get high and tried to convince my friends to go party with me because that was always what I did after AA meetings. Of course, he refused and invited me to lunch instead. From there, he took me to a friend's house and introduced me to friends in the sobriety group. The house was fun, but I just didn't think it was for me and told them I was going to leave to find some other friends. But they wouldn't let me. They told me that they wanted me to stay. They told me that they loved hanging out with me and that they loved me for me. I was a little suspicious at first, but they just didn't give up on me. I ended up staying with them for two weeks straight and eventually joined their recovery group. In the early days, I got cell phone calls from my new friends. They checked up on me. They made me feel okay. They showed me what I was worth. Now I'm part of the sobriety group and check up on them as well. We all support each other in our recovery and have tons of fun together. Getting sober was the best decision I've ever made in my life, hands down. Since getting sober, I've had an amazing relationship with my family because I have nothing left to hide. The fellowship and friendships I've made in sobriety are unmatched in comparison to the old crowd of drinking buddies I used to run around with. In reality, we would all use each other to feel okay about our drinking habits and for other selfish reasons. Today, I am completely sober and free and happier than I've ever been in my life. I truly feel like a little kid. I own a business and employ young adults who are also in recovery. Never give up on yourself. Keep your head up and don't be afraid to ask for help. The highs will be higher, the lows will be lower. If you think your heart can take it, come fly with us. My past is riddled with chaos, instability, self-centeredness, and pain. I am a broken human. 
thankfully broken down enough to the point of reaching out for help. We all have our shortcomings. Drugs and alcohol made my life unmanageable. And the drugs and alcohol weren't the problem. They were my solution, and I was the problem. Without drugs and alcohol, I didn't know what to do with my time or how to live happily. Thanks to amazing friends who pushed me in the right direction and the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, today I am able to live a fulfilling life with absolutely no drugs or alcohol. Life gets better and better as the obsession fades away into the past, right where it belongs. Maliki. Well, I'm just going to kind of tell you a little story as to how this all came about. Um, So I was in outpatient at the time, and it was really hard for me to run the the landscape business while I was dealing with five days of intensive treatment. So I had some of the guys who were who had already gone through the program do some of the work for me throughout the day when I was in rehab. And you know, for some of the customers, the level of detail wasn't to their expectations that I had set in uh, the years past and one of our customers fired us and it was a it was a very long time customer beautiful home and I was pretty torn up about it um I sent her a message and I kind of asked for clarity as to why she fired us and what we could have done differently and just to get some some clarity and you know she told me it was a you know a lack of attention to detail, my specialty. So I was pretty bummed out about that, but I, you know, told the guys and they made sure to not let that happen again. And so as time went on, Simon reached out and asked me to write a chapter for his book. And we met up with the publisher one one afternoon and we all sat down and she asked us if anybody needed to voice record theirs if they were short on time. And being as short on time as I as I was with the long hours of work, um, I raised my hand and said, yeah, that'd be great. So I wrote down my email and the publisher emailed me and I went to the email and went to the contact information of her to, to let her know when would work for me. And I, I click on her phone number and iMessage pops up with the list of the conversation we had just had, she was the lady that had fired us. She, the publisher was the person whose yard we were mowing. And, um, basically I had to tell my entire life story to her. And she said, why didn't you tell me you were in rehab? We, we would have made something work. And, you know, I'm thinking, why would I ever tell some customer? I don't know. Like, Oh, sorry, we're not doing a great job. I'm in rehab. Like, yeah, but it was just, you know, one of those funny coincidences and I ended up sharing with her my story. She actually wrote the first, I think four or five pages of my story. I went in and edited them later, but, um, yeah, so that's kind of a a funny story of how it all came about. And, um, she's actually since hired us back. So thank you, Mrs. Jones. You're the, you're the best. And, um, thanks for all the hard work you put into making this book happen the whole wolf family. Thank you. And, um, like I said, you can find this book on the Amazon store 
and all proceeds do go to a good cause. So let's do this. How about the entire month of February, every book that is bought on Amazon, I will donate an additional $10 to people who want recovery who can't afford it. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Love you guys.